Hey everyone, we're back this week with our new health series called Hormone Happy Hour that I do with Kea Perowit, my dear co-host on the series and co-founder in our business, Bia Wellness. And every Wednesday, Hormone Happy Hour will feature an in-depth interview with a leading women's health expert. Each expert will teach you step-by-step how to eat, think, and move in a way that is designed to help you feel great and create an abundance of energy in your life so you can build your own energy. Empire. Now let's jump into this week's episode. I hope you enjoy it. What's worse is that when these negative thoughts and physical imbalances become the normal. So often when I'm speaking to communities of people, I'll ask by by show of hands, how many here suffer from anxiety, from bloating, from constipation, from low sex drive, from migraines, from whatever it is. And by the end of this list of imbalances, every hand is up and Everyone there has begun to live with that as though it's normal. Just because it's common does not mean that it's normal. Welcome to Hormone Happy Hour. We are your hosts, Yasmin and Kea. And in 2021, we started a company called Bia that's dedicated to empowering women to take control of their health and really understand their hormones. And in the process, we've learned so much from experts all around the world, and we can't keep that information to ourselves. So here we are sharing it with you because everyone deserves healthy and happy hormones. And cheers to that. Cheers. With my Olipop. <laughs> I love it. I love well, it. Hormone happy hour. So he's got to talk about what we're drinking. Yeah. I mean, here I am with my bubbles addiction back at it with my Olipop. What about you? What And what is that? What flavor is that? I've never seen it. Dr... This is the Dr. Goodwin, which I think is supposed to be like a Dr. Pepper Ah. knockoff. Yeah. I love it. I love Um, it. How about you? What are you drinking? So mine, and I know we're the whole family, we're obsessed with this, is our new protein powder that we love. And yeah, I have it here. It's called Earth Fed Muscle, but I'll tell you why I'm thinking a lot about protein. I actually woke up this morning And it's funny, every time we do these intros, I think we're always on the second half of our cycle, which I don't know why, but I'm like, why do I feel more tired today? And I had good sleep. I woke up just feeling not on my game. Like I felt just like not motivated, more tired than usual. My brain wasn't functioning. And then usually when I feel that way, I kind of go through a checklist. Like, how did I sleep? I slept well. Have I eaten anything? Have I drank, have I drank anything, any water? And like, have I gone sunlight? So I was going through those. I'm like, you know what? I'm not hungry, but let me eat something. Like I'm desperate to feel good because it just, my brain wasn't firing. And this sounds so simple, but it really shocks me all the time. I'm like, I really want to bring it up. So I ended up having breakfast. I usually eat later in the day, like 9, 30, 10. But today I didn't think I was hungry, but I ended up eating around like 7, 30, which is very early for me. And Kaya literally after eating, it's like I felt like a million bucks and and it just goes to show like and again what I'm eating is not like oatmeal or carbs it's like straight up protein Um, I feel like my body does really well with that but it's so basic that like I just I swear by it and I know all these women that we interview talk about protein so anyways a long-winded way of what I'm drinking right now is a protein shake because I'm still feeling like energy is better but you know, protein is kind of like my magic. I don't know what the right word is. Like just, it, it always kind of helps me get that pep in my step when I'm not feeling a hundred percent. Oh my gosh. Well, a, I love that list. We should do yeah. some content around the list. So it's, did I get enough sleep? Yeah. What was the next one? Like, did I eat? 
like did I eat? Yeah, because sometimes I forget, you know, sometimes we're busy and whatnot. And um, another one is like, did I drink enough water? Because sometimes I'll have coffee and I'll feel off. And it's like, oh, I maybe didn't drink enough water with it. Um, and then the other one is, have I seen sun? Like, have I been outside? Yes. So sleep, did I eat? Did I drink enough water? And have I been outside? Yes. I think just those four things alone, like if you feel bad right now, go through those four things. I mean, you can't take back last night's sleep, but you can yeah. focus on tonight's sleep instead. But those other things, did I drink enough water? Did I eat something, especially with protein? Mm-hmm. And did I get outside can be super game changing. It really um, is. So- Yeah, I just sat outside in the sun. I was looking away. If anybody saw me, they think I'm crazy. But I'm like, I need to do all these steps because I know historically it's helped me. And it really does. And you just kind of get out of that funk so much faster. So I just wanted to share that in case it helps anybody listening. Heck yeah. So it's like that quote that's like, humans are just like houseplants. We need sunlight and water. (laughs) And a few other things too, but for sure. I love that. Um, So protein is actually the building blocks of life and super important (laughs) for people who are thinking about baby. And so Yasmin, my brother, your husband today posted a story (laughs) about you guys taking a prenatal called WeNatal, which is a prenatal for men and women. And he's been very vocal just about this journey that you guys might go on pretty soon of um, having a baby in the next year or so. And so I haven't gotten a chance to really check in with you. (laughs) It's a big, it's a huge thing. I recently went through it myself. And so we talk a lot about just what I've been going through, but how are you feeling gearing up for the fact that there might be a new addition to your family in the next year or so? Yeah, well, I'm just laughing because Drew's story is hilarious. I wish we can like play it in this podcast, but like we'll try to edit it in or something. Yeah. Like he is just, you know, yeah, we're talking about he's talking about like WeNatal, which is our friend's company. It's basically um a prenatal that both men and women take because men are 50% right of the fertility equation. Yes. Um and sometimes, you know, from my perspective, even us being in the world of wellness, it's like why is there all this pressure on women? And we're not talking enough about like the, you know, the men's side of things. So I'm glad he's talking about that. Um, but yeah, you know, it's interesting. It's, it's funny. It's like we've talked about family planning and then as we're kind of gearing and gearing up for it, people laugh. They're like, what does that even mean? You know? And I think like it's just we're being thoughtful about, you know, we're doing all these wellness practices. I've kind of shifted my entire life the past four years after I kind of left the crazy corporate world. So I've kind of been on my journey, but I think, and I'm curious to get your thoughts, Kayla, like as you're really thinking about bringing like life into this world, just things get even more serious about like wanting to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of thoughts here, so I'm just kind of piecing through it all. But, um, but yeah, well, that's you know, an interesting point because one of my really close friends said, "There's nothing like getting ready for pregnancy to actually make you take care of yourself." Yeah, like sometimes that is the kick that people need. And even myself thinking about number two in the next couple of years, I'm like, if it's just about me. I'll put it on the back burner, but if it's about growing an actual life inside of you, it's okay, time to get serious because you want to create and cultivate the best environment for that little baby that's relying on you. Totally. And the wild thing is, and I just came back from 
um, I've been doing acupuncture as well, like just in terms of preconception, but I, I really wish I was doing this even before just because it's so calming um, and it's a nice kind of break in the day if you could do something like that. But I've just been talking a lot about with my acupuncturist, like, you know, we've done all my labs, like what are your AMH levels, you know, just to kind of understand your hormones. And I just feel so lucky that I've been thinking about this even before kind of preconception. Of course, now I'm kind of dialing up a little bit, but it breaks my heart that there's so many women and a lot of friends that I speak to who, you know, are just beginning to go on their wellness journey, are just beginning to get their labs and, and it's just not as optimal as they want. And it just kind of goes back to what I think we're both passionate about is like, how do we educate women to take control of their hormones? Because I actually think it's great to be thinking about this during preconception, but it's so powerful if you can think about it years even before that, because the pressure is a little bit different. So, um, so yeah, I call it, uh, trimester zero, which is before you actually get pregnant could potentially, and I think is more important than when you're actually pregnant in terms of setting up your body, making sure your nutrients are jacked up. And the heartbreaking thing, as you mentioned, is that we, women are not told, Hey, start to take care of yourself before you even think about getting pregnant. Because what usually ends up happening is that they're having trouble uh, with Mm -hmm. conception or they've been trying and no labs have been run. And then all of a sudden, six months later, their doctor is like, Oh, something is up when that whole entire time they could have been working on their bodies. Now, listen, that's not always the case. Sometimes there are situations where it's just, it's, it's not going to happen and other interventions need to happen. But, Mm -hmm. um, there's no one that will regret truly taking care of themselves before they try to get pregnant for sure. So it's such an important conversation. Yeah. And you know, sometimes we forget how far we've come, like even with my acupuncturist, you know, we're talking about preconception and I'm just so busy with work and everything that I, sometimes I feel like, I don't know, like, what does this mean? Even preconception, like what else should I be doing? Like, I don't, I'm not reading any books and you know, I'm not really diving deep, deep into fertility. And she's like, Yasmin, you, the fact that you're even thinking about stress and sleep, like all the stuff that we talk about in all these interviews, she's like, that is huge. So I am just so, I feel so blessed that I've been kind of exposed to all these wellness protocols that we're talking about, even in episodes like this, because it just feels very empowering to be in a position where you're like, okay, like I know what to do. I'm educated. I know what nutrients to take. Like what you were saying, that's such an easy thing to kind of supplement as well. And also like, you know, seed cycling for me back in the day, I had horrible periods, horrible. And that's essentially a red flag. And I wasn't trying to get pregnant years ago, but I've kind of managed that through seed cycling and through all the other stuff like stress management, sleep was huge for me. So yeah, you know, it just gets me thinking a lot about like, how do we amplify this message just to give women that knowledge that there's so much you can do even before you have a partner, even before you think about preconception, because it only benefits you in addition to your future family. Absolutely. And so not to make any claims, but we have worked with a lot of women who have used seed cycling um, during their fertility journey. And it's been a super important part. And one of my favorite things that I get to tell people when they say like, what's the best thing about Bia? And I say, when people tell me I got pregnant, I was doing Bia and I was having so much trouble getting pregnant and I got pregnant. Now that's not to say that Bia is the cause, but when it can be a small part of their journey is truly the most heartwarming thing for me. So kind of talking about this subject and that brings us to today's episode, 
Having a, a baby girl has been really interesting for me because one of the things that I have been thinking a lot about lately is what we as women say to ourselves about mm. ourselves and our bodies. Mm. And that is a huge part of our episode with Mona Sharma today is having reverence for our bodies, having gratitude for our bodies. Mm. And I don't know about you, Yasmin, but when I grew up in the 90s and 2000s, uh, a lot of women were saying a lot of really nasty stuff to themselves mm -hmm. about their bodies, about their weight, about the way they looked. And I think that that is getting better in some respects, but with social media and comparison, it's also not getting better. Mm -hmm. And so something that I think a lot about with my daughter is how do I encourage her to love her body and have gratitude for her body? And that's something that we talk about in today's episode, which was kind of emotional, I feel, yeah. for both of us. I mean, we weren't sobbing outright, but it was pretty emotional. And I think afterwards, all three of us even carried the weight of the conversation with us in a very positive way. Wow. I mean, even as you're talking about it, Kay, like I'm getting like teary eyed. It, it is very emotional, just like how you're thinking about your daughter and and just kind of walking through that. But I'm really excited to share this episode. And Mona Sharma is a dear friend of ours. She's a dynamic leader, an entrepreneur in the world of health and wellness. And she works with high profile clients worldwide. And as a nutritionist, Mona approaches healing by looking at all pillars of health, which is combining modern science with the power of ancient rituals rooted in one's nature for optimal health for life, which Kay and I are so passionate about. Mona is also the nutritionist for Will Smith, Julian Huff, Jay Shetty, and Rithik Roshan. And she's been seen on the Today Show, the Doctor's Television, and Red Table Talk, where she shares all about her expertise. She is also a badass entrepreneur and founder of Hikama, which is an innovative line of food and functional beverage products that deliver gut health and immune-boosting benefits of the superfood Hikama. In today's episode, we talk about nervous system dysregulation, morning routines, what it means to love your body. We discuss anxiety, Ayurvedic medicine, and so much more. We felt empowered. We felt emotional. We felt it all. So let's get into it. Well, Mona, we'd love to start off with your introduction into the world of health and wellness. So tell us more about your own health journey and how you really fell into the world of holistic nutrition. Yeah, people are often surprised by this. So before health and wellness, I actually come from the corporate beauty world. So I work for a handful of luxury cosmetic companies working in training and sales and education. And looking back, like what a cool job. I was able to travel the world, do makeup for fashion shows, train all these big retailers on, on colors and fashion shows. Um, but you know what? It wasn't my calling. It wasn't my purpose at all. It was a sales job. It was a corporate job. And uh, I suffered from anxiety at that time. We were out drinking and eating a ton. I was waking up in hotel rooms, not knowing what city I was in. It wasn't uncommon for us group of women to use laxatives every night after we were eating and indulging as a way of like trying to stay looking a certain way. And this led to me having heart palpitations that progressively got worse. And uh, at that time, I was more interested in the quick fix. So doctors gave me a prescription for beta blocker medication. The beta blockers caused me to gain about 40, 45 pounds. Wow. And it just dulled my spirit. Like I just, I had no joy. I stopped working out 
for a little while. And then I went into overdrive because I freaked out. I was gaining all this weight. So then I went hardcore. I was working out for hours at the gym. I went on the Atkins diet Mm. and then I stopped getting my periods. Then my PCS was so bad that doctor says, you know what? You probably won't be able to have children. And then I had my first of two heart surgeries. So it was in my second heart surgery um, for these debilitating heart palpitations. My heart was on a massive screen, wires going everywhere. They were pumping me up with adrenaline and all these stimulants to induce these palpitations that I knew would only happen if I was out in the world moving. And the doctor said, Mona, why are you crying? I was like, I don't know. My heart's on a screen. You're telling me that if I go through with the surgery, I might have to wear a pacemaker for the rest of my life. So in that moment, I just knew that that wasn't my life. That was not my story. I grew up with a very different background. The irony of it all is that I, you know, I've only ever known my mom to have debilitating rheumatoid arthritis. So I've known her to be deformed her whole life. And with my father being Indian, she was Danish. Uh, we would go to live at an ashram every single summer. Ashrams uh, are spiritual centers where the focus is on mindfulness, on bringing the body back into balance, on eating whole foods from the earth, on living in community, on sitting uh, in stillness. So I had this blueprint and understanding, but you know, in my 20s, my concern was go make a lot of money, go hardcore, show up with prestige. Let me get the job that I can brag about. Let me try to get the approval of my parents by making a six-figure income. And sure enough, it was just my health was suffering and suffering and suffering. So in that moment, we didn't go through with the um, another ablation in the surgery. Uh, I woke up the next morning and I decided to just throw in the towel on everything. I went back to my roots and uh, quit the corporate world, became a yoga teacher, a meditation teacher. And then I got into nutrition, not knowing I even wanted to pursue it professionally, just for my own personal healing. And um, as luck or universe would have it, I started getting clients and the, the foundation was just so common. People were suffering despite being hardcore, despite doing all the things that they thought that they should be doing, but the imbalances and suffering was showing up in their mind and also their body. And that's what got me into the world of wellness and I've never looked back. Hey everyone, it's Yasmin here. In 2020, I was struggling with some debilitating health stuff. I just got off birth control and suddenly I had acne, mood swings, breast tenderness, and really painful periods. I tried so many things, but the one thing that worked was something called seed cycling. I know you're probably thinking, seed cycling? What the heck is that? It's a natural way to support your hormones using four specific seeds throughout your cycle. The challenge is that seed cycling can be a little complicated to do and kind of time consuming. So I decided to make an organic seed cycling product that is so easy to use. We make it effortless for anyone to get started today. It's called Bia and it's a super easy way to add something powerful to your diet to support your hormones, regulate your cycle, and bring back balance. To learn more about Bia and join our community with thousands of incredible women all over the world, go to BiaWellness.com and that's spelled B-E-E-Y-A Wellness.com. And check out the show notes for our promo code to get $10 off your first purchase. Thanks so much for listening and now let's get back to today's episode. You're your story will never cease to amaze me. I could hear it a hundred million times and every single time I'm like full body goosebumps. Um, I think that when it comes to healing, there are so many spokes on the wellness wheel 
And people tend to focus on primarily two of them, which is diet and exercise. But it's Mm -hmm. often the mind, spirit, soul piece that is the key to healing. So when it comes to your own healing journey, what do you think were the things that made the most impact? Yeah, well, definitely the key thing. So, you know, stopping dieting. Uh, Today, when I talk to my clients, I say that your perfect diet should be as unique as your thumbprint. It depends on so many factors in your life right now, and your diet will probably change based on your lifestyle needs and demands. So I stopped dieting. I stopped working out hardcore. And instead, through these gifts at the ashram, I learned this philosophy about just honoring my personal constitution. Mm. What did my body need? Um, And people always think, well, yeah, you go away to an ashram, you meditate, you do yoga, you do all the things. And it wasn't really that, although those were massively impactful, the incredible piece about the ashram is that it's it's regimented on a, a schedule, a very strict daily schedule. It's actually quite busy when you're there. And, uh, you know, from every morning, uh, sorry, every hour of the day is accounted for. We're up at five meditating for half an hour. We're doing breath work for an hour, yoga, brunch, karma yoga throughout the day, satsang at night, like the cycle is repeated. And it feels kind of like torture when you first go into it. I'm not going to lie. But then for most people, when we leave, we understand, oh my gosh, I really miss that. What was the power of that? And the power is the structure throughout the day causes all of the open and running tabs in the brain to slowly shut down. And when they shut down, you can turn in and tune in to your own constitution. What are the thoughts that are happening? What am I feeling in this moment? Where is this dysregulation coming from? Why am I feeling this way? You know, what biohackers are calling this today is time blocking, right? (laughs) Time blocking can be like so, so beneficial for productivity, but also for our health. So, you know, this dysregulation of our, our nervous system essentially is what was happening. So I believe, and this is what happens, you know, I would say 99% of the time when I do my initial consultations with my clients, the first questions are, of course, Mona, tell me what to eat. What's the perfect diet that I need to go on? Just like, tell me what to eat and I'm going to start doing it and we're going we're gonna to get to this. And I'll say, yeah, okay, we can, we can do that. But I promise you, most diets will probably work for you temporarily until they don't, right? And what we need to understand is why aren't you making the decisions? Why aren't you choosing the foods that are going to nourish your constitution to begin with? Because like you guys know, most people know what's healthy and what's not. Mm-hmm. I don't need to tell you that. You don't need a nutritionist to tell you that. The issue is why aren't you choosing those foods to begin with? And if you are choosing them, why aren't you staying on those things long term? Right. Mm-hmm. So I would say that this act of, of stillness, of being focused in the moment, really opens us up to healthy living, to healthy thoughts, to synchronicity, to intuition, to insight, to motivation. Um, and this is the path, the path of personal growth, right? Absolutely. And, you know, one thing that just stands out, and it might be from my own personal journey, is just you talking about the importance of really understanding your personal constitution. And I think there's a lot of women who might be listening to this podcast 
um, including myself, who had a very similar corporate kind of career. And I think kind of going in that training, you get disconnected from your body, which, you know, you've talked about your own experience. So working with the clients that you now see, you've mentioned a few points of how we can really tailor into what our body needs and our personal constitution. But any recommendations you have on how we can get better at really listening to our body? Because I think that's just such a big gap that so many people um, don't really have that connection to. I think first and foremost, we need to understand um, the integration that has to happen with healing, right? This is mind, this is body, and this is spirit. And modern day medicine is like now catching on to it, right? This is something that's been known in Ayurveda for thousands of years, right? Ayurveda is one of the, the oldest holistic whole body healing systems. And it's based on the belief that health and wellness really depends on the balance and the coherence between the mind, body, and spirit. And so this integration in modern, modern medicine, you know, doctors are finally backing it with science. So when people are addressing what they need to do, I think that's step number one. Step number two would, would be to ask yourself, what am I doing to nourish my body today? What am I doing to nourish my mind today? And what am I doing to nourish my spirit? And this sounds easy. This is, you know, I can give you this protocol. Most people will say, yeah, that sounds great, but then where do I start? And again, I would say that this has to go back to your schedule. You need to schedule these practices into your calendar. You have to make them non-negotiable because what is the number one emotion that people say? they're busy, right? It's not even a, an emotion. People will just say that they're so busy as mothers. We're so busy. We'll, we'll always put our kids first before our family. Life will always get busy, if not busier, right? But I think that if we were to take care of the foundation first, if we really want to see impact to make positive change, we'll go out into the world um, feeling our best. What happens when we feel our best? We make better choices. What happens when we make better choices around our food and our lifestyle? We can show up with more purpose. When we show up with more purpose, we're able to be there for the people that matter the most. What happens then? We feel more empowered to stay the path. So it's like the cyclical uh, effect that happens simply by putting ourselves in the number one priority position on our list. Yeah, I love that. And I think for anybody who's listening to this, who doesn't know what Ayurveda is or Ayurvedic medicine, could you give us a brief overview? Yeah. So uh, basically, you know, it's 3000 years ago, it comes from India and it really deals with the same message, honor your constitution. But how can we use the gifts that are provided to us from nature to heal the body? So it recognizes that each of us here are different. Um, the foods that would benefit us are going to be a little bit different. Uh, it recognizes that when we are disconnected from nature, our own internal human nature will also be impacted or affected, right? And look, most of us live in these concrete cities, right? We don't have access to nature anymore. And so um, in creating a protocol, an Ayurvedic specialist will, of course, they'll look at, at foods, but they'll primarily look at what specific foods from the earth that are high vibrational foods with mm. phytochemicals and nutrients and uh, vitamins and minerals that are going to honor you. They'll look at healing herbs, right? We talk about this a lot. Um, the herbs that come with nature are nature's medicine, literally, 
right? So an Ayurvedic practitioner will work with you and go through your kitchen, but you'll now start treating your kitchen as a, a medicine cabinet, right? What, what is in your fridge and your cabinets should be part of your healthcare system. Wouldn't that be amazing if we taught that to our kids right from the get-go, mm. right? Um, and then we understand to understand the fluctuations of the body and the fluctuations of the mind. We live in a society where we're constantly looking for perfection, looking for the moment when we've arrived and we're finally healed. I'm a nutritionist. I'm still on my healing journey, right? It is a process. Um, our bodies and our minds and our thoughts, even for the most experienced meditators out there, are still always understanding when am I out of balance? When am I in balance? And just like nature, who's constantly healing, we learn to treat our bodies the exact same way, moving from out of balance into balance, using resources that are natural for mind and body. That's so beautiful. Now I want to go spend some time in an ashram. I know. <laughs> I know. And this is the thing. I love that you brought that up, right? Because this I hear from my clients a lot. Oh, well, you know, I don't have time to go and live at an ashram anymore. And um, I'm really blessed I can go and do retreats there now working. Um, but we have to learn. And I think that this is something that I did subconsciously when I started working with my clients. I mm -hmm. started teaching them how to build their own ashram in the city, in their house. So what does that mean? It means looking at your household. What do you see? Is it soothing? Is it pleasant? Or is it causing you stress and anxiety, right? The, yeah. the, that drawer that's full of junk and stacks of papers. Uh, um, my dad always growing up would say a cluttered house is a cluttered mind. And it's true, right? And then we can look at food. Look at the food that's in your, your cupboards in your fridge. Is it honoring your constitution as a part of your longevity plan or is it not? Then we listen, you know, in Ayurveda, we also address digestion. Digestion is key, the power of our digestion, but we digest not only what we eat, we digest what we watch, what we smell, what we listen to, and what we touch. So what are you consuming? What are you watching? Is it impacting your nervous system, right? We don't watch horror movies anymore in our house. It's just, it's not going to happen. Um, but look for things that are really soothing to your senses. Build the ashram in your house. And most importantly, have a center or an area or a, a corner of a, a cabinet or table that mm -hmm. is part of your, I want to say, spirit, right? Something that's a visual cue to remind you of your spiritual practice. For mm. some people, this could be an image of whatever God that they worship. Uh, it could be an altar that's devoted to their family. It could be a picture of them at their happiest, most healthy moment when their hands are up in the air, but a visual cue that's constantly anchoring them in who they want to be. And this is how you can create your ashram at home. Oh, that's so special. And it makes me feel so validated because I I went to film school, so I studied movies, we made movies, that was everything. And now I tell my friends, if it is if it is upsetting in any way, or if it brings me out of my the, the state that I'm in, I don't wanna watch it. And they'll like roll their eyes at me and they'll tell me like, oh, you're being sensitive. And I'm like, no, I need to protect myself. I'm not gonna watch something scary. I'm not gonna watch something that's gonna seep into my subconscious. Like, forget about it, yeah. Yeah, I love that. And it ties into healing also, right? There's that incredible book, The Body Keeps Score. Mm. The body keeps score and memories. Like, you know, this data system in our head is recording everything. Um, and so why have unnecessarily, necessary thoughts that were imprinted on you, right? And the same thing with healing, you know, a lot of my clients 
when we're trying to address why they're not prioritizing themselves, often it's because of this blueprint where they haven't resolved these past emotions or experiences mm -hmm. that caused anxiety to their nervous system. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a memory response within our bodies. Most people don't even address this when it's happening just out in the real world. So whenever we feel something that's similar to that past emotion, our body can re-experience those emotions all over again as though they're happening in real time. And this is why we're seeing, you know, imbalances in our blood labs. This is why we're seeing higher levels of cortisol. This is why people, they don't understand like, gosh, I'm doing all of the right things, but I'm just, mm -hmm. I'm not feeling my best. Where does it come from? Right. Mm -hmm. And so today I'm really into somatic therapy and helping my clients process these emotions. Ugh. So I want to stop right there because this is just something <laughs> I'm just beginning to learn about and being in the world of wellness. And I want to actually dumb it down a little bit. You know, can you talk more about what does it even mean to have a nervous system dysregulation? And then I'd love to then go into the somatic work because it's been game changing for me. So this is really exciting. <laughs> yeah. So Ayurveda has also addressed this for a long time. <clears throat> Our nervous system is basically the body's energetic or electrical wiring, right? It communicates messages to different parts of the body. And when there is dysregulation in this communication system, right, especially when we're feeling anxious or stressed, it makes us feel uncomfortable. It makes us feel like we're on edge. Uh, we can feel agitation, feel anxious, feel um, or often we hear it communicated in the media as fight, flight, or freeze, right? And today, living in this really busy world, a lot of people, we're just, we've become accustomed to living in fight or flight. Mm. This is nervous system dysregulation, right? On top of those unresolved emotions and physical experiences that our body's holding on to, some people don't know it, but like when you go down this journey of doing the work and the personal growth, you might have feelings of sadness or anxiety or depression or issues with your sleep or um poor memory, poor concentration and irritability, or even moments of rage. Uh, on my intake forms, I ask my clients if they feel rage and they'll say, well, I just don't know where it comes from. So this is that dysregulation that we need to address. When we're eating and living these healthy rituals, it seems like things should always be resolved. But when the emotion kicks in, all of a sudden there's this feeling of lack of self-worth. And if that's your blueprint, of course, making the healthier options is going to be harder. Uh, of course, you're going to feel like you're always too busy mm. to meditate. Of course, you're not going to prioritize self-care because you're living in a lack of self-worth to begin with, right? So there's just, there's such a deeper picture that has to happen in order for any healthy living protocol to take place, I think, in the nervous system um, before everything else can kind of readjust and the body can heal itself. This is true for me because people will also say like, you know, your heart, your, my heart, it's our electrical system, right? The one question that doctors never asked me, you know, they wanted to know if I was eating at McDonald's, if I was smoking, if I was drinking uh, and stuff like that. But they didn't ask me like what I was consuming, what my emotional state was like, um, if I felt sadness, if I was depressed. And meanwhile, I was going through a lot of life trauma. My parents were getting a divorce. There were massive changes. I moved out of a, a house. My brother and sister were gone. I became a primary kind of emotional caregiver for my mom. And like none of that came up in my doctor's appointment, right? So like most people at that time, I wanted the quick fix and I went in for the surgery. But I know looking back that there was a better way, but who knows, maybe this is my karma and why I do the work that I do today. <laughs>
what I love so much about everything you're saying, Mona, is that, you know, sometimes we can think logically, we can work through these emotions and how we're feeling, but it lives in your body. And I know, at least for me, there's so many times where I'm like, you know, I don't feel stressed. I'm okay, you know, mentally, but my body mm -hmm. is really feeling it. So can you tell us more about why you mentioned briefly, you recommend somatic type of work to your clients and what that really is and why it's so important to people to use? Yeah, I would say, you know, my, the imprinting that's happened since I was little is using breath work and meditation. And even in, in India, if you go there to a yoga class, the first thing that you'll start with in yoga class is breath. We always start with our breath and doing this allows us the opportunity to drop in tune into our body, take the energy out of our mind and into the body. When we go into the body, we're more in a state of feeling. When we're in a state of feeling, we can understand, oh, gosh, what, do, what does my heart feel this way? Why, that pain in my knee, gosh, how long has that been there, right? So breathing techniques are tools for major transformation and for healing. And growing up, learning about this, now I get it, right? Like it's one thing to do these breathwork classes and yoga classes as a checklist. It's another thing to really stop and tune into it as a form of therapy or like your own personal doctor's visit, right? And, um, you know, being such an advocate for mindfulness first as a priority for healing, um, Louise Hay, Louise Hay says it the best. She says, every thought that we have is creating our future. Mm. That's the future of our health future of our thoughts, uh, even the, the future that we create in our, our physical world, right? Positive thoughts are going to trigger healthy emotions in the body. Negative thoughts are going to trigger adverse health effects to our body. So, you know, these thoughts really serve as internal triggers that cause, you know, so many people to just live and move towards imbalance or even illness, and what's worse is that when these negative thoughts and physical imbalances become the normal, right? Mm -hmm. So often when I'm speaking to communities of people, uh, I'll ask by, by show of hands, how many here suffer from anxiety, from bloating, from um, irritable bowel syndrome, from constipation, from low sex drive, from headaches, from migraines, from whatever it is. And by the end of this list of imbalances, every hand is up and everyone there has, has begun to live with that as though it's normal, right? And as we say, you know, we hear this by a lot of practitioners today, just because it's common does not mean that it's normal, right? So living this cumulative stress impact over time means that we're living in fight or flight. And this is the onset of physical limitations. This is the onset of where we begin to get sick. So I think when I'm helping people understand the impact of mindfulness today, we have to think that it might not impact us in the moment, but every decision that we make around mindfulness, the food that we consume, uh, the things that we watch, it's impacting the mind and body of our future. So the first time I met you, Mona, I remember we were all sitting in a circle mm -hmm. and somebody said, what are you feeling grateful for today? And people were talking about all kinds of things. And then it got to you and you said, I'm just so grateful for my body, the amazing things that my body does. And oh my gosh, that stuck with me so much. I'm like, how often do people sit and actually say, I'm grateful for my body? Typically it's the opposite. 
this isn't working. This is too flabby. This is, you know, this needs to be changed. Yeah. And I was, I, that was a really life-changing mm. moment for me. I don't know if you know that, but I just mm. thought like, wow, you <laughs> should start every single day yeah. just feeling so much gratitude for all the amazing things that your body does. Mm. And I would love for you to talk about why this is important. It kind of goes into what you were just saying just now, but why is it important and important and how do we build reverence for our bodies? Wow. I love that you shared that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, you know, health has really been at the forefront for me since I was a little girl because of my mom. Um, we had depression in our family. We had suicide in our family. And uh, the motto in our house growing up was eat it. It's good for you. And my dad would often talk about your body as being your vessel, right? Optimize your vessel and you optimize your life. Like, gosh, how lucky was I? I took this for granted growing up, but now looking back, it's just such a gift to have this imprinting. So what if we were taught that our bodies were to be cherished? We get one vessel in this lifetime, and most of us don't even understand how it works, right? I'm sure you guys are amazed how often women don't even understand how their cycle works, right? How their hormones work, right? And it's such a big part of us. So building reverence really means that our body should be given the highest priority and more care than anything else. And like I said before, this is really tough as parents. It's tough because we live in a society that values grinding and working harder and material things over self-love, over health. We value those things over feeling peace every day, right? But just imagine what would it feel like to wake up every day and just prioritize yourself for 30 minutes so that you could go out to the world as your most vibrant self, you know, taking away the stress and anxiety, but instead instilling a sense of peace. What would your impact be, right? You would show up probably for your highest purpose. You'd be able to show up for the ones that you love, for your profession. Um, you could be more open and receptive to the beauty that this world has to offer instead of where the normal has become which is living in this struggle, right? We have to stop normalizing, not feeling our best in order for things to change. So one of the first practices that I work with my clients on is in the morning when you wake up, before you even open your eyes, take one hand over your heart, another hand over your belly and simply tune in like, my God, thank you for beating for me. Thank you for doing all of your regenerative work overnight while I've been sleeping. Thank you for you know allowing me to show up in this beautiful day ahead and the gift of the life that I have when so many people in this world are struggling. And when we enter that gratitude for the body, science is now showing it's not woo-woo anymore. The body receives it, right? It's like lifting our vibration. And I help my clients shift their vibration from stress, anxiety, worry, tension, fear into feeling peace, happiness, joy, and love. And this is ultimately where I believe our birthright should be. Um, but we're up against all, all odds, right? So this is why these conversations are so meaningful and paying it forward is meaningful. Yeah. And when you ask somebody how they're doing and they say, oh, I'm good, I'm fine. You know, oh, well, tell me more. Like, what's going on in your life? You know, give me some more so maybe I can hold space for you, right? I think we we need that so much now than ever before. Yeah. It's almost like an act of rebellion when you love your body, yeah. right? It's yeah. so not the norm. It's Women are seen like, as being selfish yeah. for yeah. prioritizing their bodies. Yeah, it's crazy. Actually, all of this is reminding me a lot of Joe Dispenza, who I first heard about from you, I think as well. <laughs> and just that idea of that mental rehearsal, 
like mm-hmm. the, you know, sitting with ourselves and even saying like, I'm so thankful for my body. I'm so grateful. Look at all the amazing things that it can do. That is going to rewire everything. It's going to rewire our brain. It's going to activate our cells and it's going to put us into that state of like, our body's going to give us more of that just blissfulness rather than, you know, expressing illness or whatever it is. So I, I love that. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And I love Mona, what you also mentioned, and this resonates a lot with me. I recently just started taking like 20, 30 minutes in the morning um, just to be with myself before hopping on the phone, before kind of starting my day. And I think what you mentioned about sitting there and remembering your highest purpose, that I'm actually, I'm so surprised with because it kind of reminds me of why am I here and what am I doing? And it kind of sets the tone for the day. And it's actually been very powerful for me because I'm now remembering what I'm here for. And I'm kind of going into my day, honoring that a little bit more versus my normal system is go, 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 do, 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 work, work, work. And that makes you feel productive, but not always hitting the highest purpose of what you want to bring into the world. So I'm just sharing that because it actually has been really impactful. And I've only been doing this for like the past two weeks. So I love that because what you're saying is you're taking a moment to stop and you're listening to who's calling the shots, right? Is it your mind and your ego that's calling the shots based on the imprinting that you've had as a kid to go out there? Or is it your physical body, your emotion and your true sense of self, right? Your true self that's calling the shots. And um, from my lineage of yoga, the two questions that we always ask when we sit in meditation, the first one is, who am I? Who am I? Not what I'm thinking. Who am I? And the second one is, what do I want? Right? What do I really want in this lifetime? So that in a, not another day, not another week, not another month or year goes by. What do I really want? And am I going to go and create that out in the world today? That's beautiful. You had such an incredible upbringing, Mona. I'm like, can we do this for all our kids in the brain? Like, <laughs> It's phenomenal. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. And it's wild. You know, um, my, my dad, I feel like I, I've got, I've come full circle with him. I think he said he was finally proud of me when I became a yoga teacher. Interesting. <laughs> yes. yeah. Not anything else, but yeah, my dad was like Deepak Chopra who became an engineer. Instead. Which is so funny because usually with Indian parents, it's like, I'm proud of you when you become a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer, but a yoga teacher, that's amazing. Trust me. I know. I think that's why I was chasing the six figures first. <laughs> yeah. So I, I wanted to kind of maybe get into your own story. You mentioned that you you stopped having your period for a while when you were going through uh, all of the different things you were going through when you were in corporate America and working in um, the makeup industry and running around. So can you tell us a little bit about your own experiences with hormonal dysregulation and how did that show up for you? And you know, how did you bring back balance then? Oh yeah, definitely. So, um, I started having a regular cycle, uh, when I was 39 years old, wild. So growing up, my cycle would probably come every three months and was often just very irregular. Doctors would brush it off as being normal. I was put on birth control, um, birth control, God, it just made me feel terrible when I came off birth control. Oh my gosh, the 
it felt like suffering. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I remember going and finding out that I had PCOS and eventually it got worse and it was getting worse. And although I felt like I was doing all the right things, like I was supplementing at this time, I was exercising a lot. Uh, I was training for a marathon. I was, like I said, on the Atkins diet, but my hormones were still suffering. So my body had been trained to cue up the hormones to have my cycle. And then there was like a flip of a switch that said, nope, we're not going to do it this month. And this kept happening. So then a doctor put me on hormones and uh, DHEA, but a level that was way too high that swung me in the opposite spectrum where I felt like I was turning into a man and like just becoming very aggressive and I wasn't monitored. I didn't have a doctor that was a partner in my healing. The doctors that I had experienced were constantly giving me Band-Aid after Band-Aid after Band-Aid after Band-Aid, and I would use it all, but I just, I never knew what to do until I finally hit rock bottom. Um, so finally, you know, I would say the rituals at the ashram, what do they do? We eat a diet that's rich in whole foods full of polyphenols and fiber that come from the earth. Uh, there is no processed food. So I essentially had to rebuild my gut. Um, growing up, I forgot to mention from the age of about three or four till 16, I was probably put on antibiotics once or, once or twice a year for tonsillitis. Wow. Doctors back then thought it was a good thing. And then when I was 16, my mom found a functional medicine doctor for herself and all of a sudden it stopped, right? But can you imagine that amount of antibiotics over those years? I probably completely wiped out, decolonized the good bacteria from my gut. And you wonder why I was suffering from so much anxiety. So rebuilding my gut just went back to this ashram diet where when I looked down on my plate, all of a sudden, this concept of eat the rainbow, there were so many colors on my plate. I was eating carbohydrates and I was losing weight. I was focusing on good quality fats from olive oil and nuts and seeds. And most importantly, they cook with a ton of fresh herbs, right? Herbs, as I mentioned before, nature's medicine. And over time with that and with my mindfulness practices, my hormones started coming back into balance. And um, I still was beating myself up for the suffering. And when I was pregnant for the first time, I was pregnant with twins and I miscarried them oh. at about nine weeks. And of course I blamed my body. This is all my fault. Um, it's cause my body's broken that this happened to me and I wasn't doing enough for myself. So after that miscarriage, I basically put myself through the, a self-care healing protocol protocol. And what I mean by self-care is, yeah, I was really mindful about the foods that I was eating. If I didn't know what an ingredient was, it was not going into my body. But number two, I think for the first time in my life, I started loving myself I became so mindful of my thoughts, my self-criticism in the mirror. Every time I had a negative thought about my thighs, my stomach, my weight, I would say, no, 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 don't do that. We want to cultivate love in this body. We have to cultivate love in this body. And sure enough, I was able to get pregnant again with my son, who is incredibly healthy and empathetic and everything. But you know, I really had to turn down the noise on what I heard from society telling me to do and turn up the volume on my internal healing protocol and trusting that my own body knew what to do mm. um, and really minding my mind at this time. And sure enough, since then, it was like an, an ultimate reset and my periods um, slowly started to regulate after that. Um, and then through uh, 
blood lab testing. So if you're not checking your blood once, if not twice a year to see which biomarkers you're deficient in or lacking, you have to do this, right? We now have modern medicine that can help us understand our blueprint and what we need. And for the first time I was getting answers on what I was deficient in and how I could optimize. Wow. It makes me kind of emotional to think about this because the hormonal imbalances are truly an epidemic amongst women, as is now women are getting more autoimmune diseases, heart disease, all kinds of things. And especially something like PCOS is so common and they tell women, hey, you're probably insulin resistant. You need to just exercise more, stop eating so much, just like stop, stop, stop doing all these things, take away versus like telling people that we need to add in more self-love. Like what are the things that we need to add in more of an abundance of polyphenols and whole foods and self-love and all those beautiful things that we need to bring into our life. But women are just so focused on like the scarcity mindset and like the lack of things and how how they're not good enough. And it's like, Mm -hmm. that is the missing healing component, I think for women. And I think that's why women are suffering so much with all of these things right now. And it's like, I wish we could shout this. We're going to shout this uh, episode from the rooftops because I I think it is just truly without that piece, we're not going to heal. Women are not going to heal. I agree. And honestly, Kaya, like I wish even... Um, I think that we're so far gone from that understanding from the wisdom that women have inherently, mm-hmm. um, women have forgotten this. And even if I talk about it and we can really own in and have a powerful session where they understand the value, still they'll walk away. And the concept of a self-love or healing protocol, um, isn't prioritized because they're not doing enough. They're not working hard enough. It wasn't, it, it's not a struggle. It doesn't feel like a diet, Right. And so the first thing that I do, even though this is the foundation is the client, my clients have to understand why. So in a perfect world from all of my clients in our first session, I will get a food blood lab panel. I'll get a Dutch test and I'll also get them on something like a levels, a blood glucose monitor as well, so that I can understand their metabolic health. And then when I come to them with these findings and say, okay, here's what your constitution is telling me the facts, right? Here are the facts that we need to fix. And here's how we're going to do that. Um, Then they'll understand. Then I can say, well, look, your glucose, for example, is spiking when um, you have a bad day and you go and binge eat on the coffee and the crackers and the muffin. Let's understand when that binge eating happens, there's a lack of self-love that's happening right there. So we need to not only rewire the foods, we need to underline, uh, we need to rewire the baseline thought, that is happening at that time. So when they can kind of put the two worlds together, then it's kind of like convincing their subconscious that, okay, this makes sense now. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a go. I love that. That's really powerful. And I love, Kaya, what you said even earlier is like, it's kind of an act of rebellion and it's true. And even from my own journey, and when you were talking, Mona, it just made me realize like skipping meals was something I would do more because I would always prioritize work. And I realized that that is impacting my health, overall health, my hormones, my nervous system. And when I realize that once I love myself, take care of myself, I will o- only show up as a better person in business. Like that was my why. It's like, I'm still productive, but we're going down a different path. And 
it's like we all have to be rebellious to do this path because not everybody talks about it. So I'm just so glad we're having this conversation and hopefully we can continue to highlight that you can still live a big life and be productive with starting with self-love and really honoring who you are and how you want to show up because it's so crucial and not enough people talk about it. So, yeah, And then to piggyback off of that, Yasmin, not only will you show up better in business, but you're in motherhood, you'll show up better for your kids because the days that I don't do all of that stuff, I can see how I'm a little more short fused or I don't put in the time to play with my daughter or I don't, you know, I don't really show up and be present to her. And so it's like, do I want to be that kind of mom where I'm not showing up 100% for her? Or do I want to be the one who feels so like my cup is so full that I can give to others? And it's like, that is just applies to everything, business, motherhood, your friendships, your relationship, like the whole gamut. Yeah. And people can feel energy, right? Like our kids can feel, you know, when we're not being dancing and playful with them and stuff like that, they can feel the energy that behind, that's behind it. Our partners can feel the energy behind it. Uh, when we're out in the world public speaking, there's an energy that's behind it that people are really in tune with. So like when you optimize that energy first, like the trickle effect is just... Uh, a game changer, but it's also probably the hardest work that you're ever going to do in this lifetime is learning how to manage your en energy and optimize your energy. Speaking of the whole motherhood component, um, I, I think you work with a lot of moms. Um, so mm -hmm. I want to know, and selfishly, even for me, <laughs> how can we apply that ashram wisdom, the scheduling blocks of time, the showing up for our kids, the showing up for our businesses, I know you're doing it. So what are your tips and tricks for all the moms who are listening? Yeah. Okay. So, so I'm not another practitioner speaking at you, telling you what to do and what I do. I would say my, my first ask of all women, all parents, all people go and talk to somebody first, find a, a therapist, a holistic psychotherapist, or just someone that you can help that can help you clear out the closet, right? That can help you just address whatever these emotions are. That can help you understand how often your energy is off and help you notice where the patterns are coming from. Who can even help you understand how, you know, your limiting beliefs and the way that you show up in this world could possibly go back to when you were a kid. Mm. You know what? No more band-aids, okay? Because like you can treat your wellness protocols like a checklist, but they're never going to work until you resolve the underlying issues. And this is something that my husband and I have really just been really adamant about in the past few years. And we see its effect on our marriage, on our parenting, and in our work. While you're doing that, then I want you to go out and I want you to find a wellness ritual that evokes emotion within Okay. Don't do yoga because I'm telling you to do it. Do yoga because it makes you feel a sense of peace because it evokes an emotional response or release from your body. Maybe it's dance because dance makes you feel a sense of happiness. Maybe it's uh, art classes because they're going to evoke creativity and awakening of another area of your brain, right? Maybe it's massage or lymphatic massage because you prefer something that you know, is going to help you feel a sense of release that way. But even, even then, and this is where we can probably work together, finding practitioners who are trained like our ancestors to hold space. I don't know if you've ever experienced the difference of going for a massage where it's transactional, you're paying for a service 
versus going for a massage where you genuinely feel like a caretaker is holding space for you, where you can let things out in that 60 or 90 minutes. It's magic because that is ultimately Mm self-care when you're being cared for and nourished in a really deep way. So make the ritual matter for you. Schedule it into your calendar as though it's going to be non-negotiable. Do it with your partner so that you have your non-negotiable and they have their non-negotiable so that you can both show up together because it's not just about one partner or the other. Um, And then it becomes a big priority in your life. And then over time with consistency, that's when you start to feel the shifts in the mind and the body and the spirit and your relationships and your work and then the world around you. So helpful, Mona. And, you know, I'm just curious. I know we're kind of coming into our time, but I'm just curious how, you know, I don't want to say what does the perfect day look like for you? Because I know we all have the days that are good and the days that are bad. And it's it's not like we're all perfect. But I'm curious, like, how do you structure your day to day? You know, just for people, just to share more about Mona, like she's a business owner. You are a content creator. You have two kids, you're a wife, you're a friend. You're just an amazing person and you're doing it all. So I'm just curious how everything we've kind of talked about, how you incorporate that in your day to day. It's always different, but today I, um, I give myself grace when it doesn't look perfect. I'm Mm -hmm. still certified hardcore a type. Um, and what I know that I need for my wellness rituals, I need to master my mornings and I need to master my evenings. So for me, some people are going to be like gasping at this. Um, I am at my best when I'm up at 4:45. I'm in the season when my kids are young, they are early morning risers. So if I don't get up earlier, then my morning is not full. My cup is not full by the time that they wake up. So if I'm up at 445, um, I practice RPM, rise, pee, meditate every single day. Uh, Right after my meditation, I'll have a coffee, a delicious, amazing coffee as a ritual. Uh, I'll go to the gym for about 30 to 45 minutes, depending if I I have the time. Uh, By 630 in the morning, I'm making lunches for my, my kids. And what I love to do is just you know, get for a quick walk outside in the sun before I sit down at my computer. Uh, We now know the impact of the sun on our skin, taking in fresh breath uh, through Ayurveda, connecting with nature before I sit down at my computer is really everything. Then the day's crazy um, and pickup is probably around 4.30. So my goal, my intention every day is as a 4.30 to just be 100% present with my children and with my husband. Uh, again, perfect world shower by eight, eight thirty. My evening ritual looks like, um, after a shower, allowing the day to wash down the drain, using a grounding oil all over my body with some essential oils to take the energy out of my mind into my body, feeling grounded again. Uh, and then in bed, I'm probably doing some personal growth reading for a few minutes and then lights out by 9 PM. I love that. I'm trying to, be a 5 a.m., 5.30 a.m. riser now so I can get in all of those things before my daughter wakes up and before like the world happens to me versus like me kind of being, you know, a master of my time. And so that was very inspirational. (laughs) Yeah. And look, when my kids are older and we're out later for evening practices and sports and dance classes and stuff like that, the season is going to change. But I think that um, if there's anything about my upbringing, it's just, it's honoring the season that you're in and having the openness and willingness to readjust in that season without judgment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I want to end on talking about jicama 
I'm pronouncing it right, correct? You were. Yeah. Yeah. So um, for for anybody who doesn't know, Mona is the co-founder of this beverage company, which features a prebiotic called jicama, which is so good for your gut. I would love for you to talk about the role of prebiotics in our gut health and just this beverage company and what it means to you. Amazing. Okay. Yeah. Um, Okay. Let's start prebiotics. So prebiotics are a specialized plant fiber. They kind of act like fertilizer that stimulate the growth of really healthy bacteria in the gut microbiome. And prebiotic fiber is found in a lot of fruits and vegetables, especially those that contain something called uh, resistant starch. Jicama is one of those those veggies. Uh, hickory, uh, when you eat slightly green bananas or artichoke, artichoke uh, to name a few. So these carbs aren't digested by your body and instead they, they pass through the digestive system and they become food for the good bacteria in your gut. And this is how you can use food from the earth to boost good bacteria and immune health. And immune health, and whenever we boost our gut, can actually support the gut-brain axis, your mental health. Now, why jicama? Jicama has actually been on my clients' meal protocols for over a decade. It's a perfect swap for things like crackers and cook uh, cookies and chips and stuff like that. Great for dips. Um, if you haven't tried it before, it's kind of like the cross between uh, a potato and an apple. There's tons of hydration in it and vitamin C. And my husband and I were on uh, my second baby moon, pregnant with my daughter, and we decided, gosh, this would taste good as a juice. And so we threw it through a juicer. It tasted fantastic. We went online and nobody was doing anything with jicama juice, but we found thousands of stories specifically from you know just different cultures on how they would use jicama for sore bellies or jicama juice on skin because of the vitamin C content. And yeah. uh, we ended up partnering with these world-famous mixologists who made us three flavors of a sparkling water. And we ended up not even knowing we were going to go into this professionally, but we got asked to be at Coachella. 2019. And we ended up being one of the number one selling beverages there. So um, with that success, you know, over the past few years, we're now in a couple of retailers. We just found out this past week, we're going to be in Sprouts, which is really exciting. But as much as beverage is fun, I'm really excited about building a food and beverage brand. We have lots of verticals that are uh, in the works to come. And really, I just want to tell the story of our food system. So working with Hickama Farmers, when we can understand the power of our soil, right? Our soil to grow our food. If we can teach children how to grow their own food, the, the impact of eating foods from the earth on our own health um, is everything. So Hickama is spelled X-I-C-A-M-A. Amazing. And if people want to learn more about you or learn learn more about Hikama, where should they go? I love community. So find me on Instagram at Mona Sharma. Uh, there you'll see all the links to Hikama and my site and everything that I'm doing and my retreats and, and all that fun stuff. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Mona. It is always such a pleasure to connect with you. And we're just, we're so grateful to have you in our lives. Seriously. We love you so much, Mona. I love you too. Thank you for today. This was so beautiful.